What's up, friends? Welcome to our first episode of Cantori Plus One. How exciting! Good times! What is Cantori Plus One? It's like dinner reservations with a guest. And instead of food, microphones. Our first guest is Tony Hawk. Looking forward to this show. I've known Tony over the years during my tenure at 91X back in the 90s. Actually, I remember one uh, <laughs> one show in particular, and I think Tom Green did this bit with Tony years later. Tony actually jumped me, ollied me in the parking lot at 91X. And that's not easy to do, especially when you're a man of my size. Like, I'm like Shrek size. And Tony literally, with a little start ollied me in the parking lot at 91x i was like yeah on microphone the whole thing it was genius these were this is like during the time of uh, tony busting that legendary 900 he was also taking part in the x games remember they had the x games down in mission beach oh that was the best back in the mid to late 90s couple of years down there mission beach they held the x games actually constructed a mountain with snow down in Mission, but then they had the uh, the ramps down there, the half pipes, and it was awesome sitting front row and center watching Tony win some golds down there. I'll never forget that, specifically when he won the, uh, the gold with Andy McDonald and the Vert Doubles. Watching that, it was such a celebration. The crowd was going nuts to see just Tony all fired up. Back when he was like in his 20s, this is post Bones Brigade and before he became a video game pioneer and man, my producer Gennard, you have experiences with uh, Tony? Like you think Tony Hawk, you think is video games, right? Yeah, Pro yeah, skater? Pretty much, pretty much his video game in the 900. We'll talk about the 900 in this show. We'll talk about Tony's start in skateboarding along with what he's doing today. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Recently met Bono of U2. We talked to Tony about that. It's a great episode here, episode one. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Make sure you wear a helmet and have your pads on because here we go. I had to laugh because my mom knew I was, my mom's down from LA and she knew I was coming to talk to you. So she's subbing at my daughter's preschool this morning oh, wow. and sent me this picture. Oh, that's cool. A friend in her class wearing a Tony Hawk yeah. shirt. Does that trip you out that, I mean, seriously, man, that you're still relevant in preschools? <laughs> I, guess, I guess so, yeah. I mean, um, it, it always is strange to seeing your own name on stuff. You know, right. you, I never really get used to that, but... Um, the fact that it's a whole new generation. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, nuts, right? Yeah. And to still be here, you know, doing it at my age and, and for, to be recognizable is amazing. And the kids still love you. I got a seven year old at home, Nico, my son. And when I told him I was coming down to see you today, he was freaking out. Oh yeah. <laughs> like freaking out. And I'm like, I used to freak out over Tony Hawk when I was, well, not his age, but in my teens, you know? Yeah. It's uh, I don't know. I, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful that I, that I still get to do it and then people still appreciate what I do. Um, I never imagined it would ever last this long. Yeah, well, within the context of what we're doing here today, we kind of wanted to talk a little bit of the arc of, well, you and your career and being a local here in San Diego. And when did it all really start for you? I mean, you got your first board when you were like nine years old, right? Uh, yeah, around, well, it, I mean, I, that's when I first stepped on a skateboard. That, right. I wouldn't say that's when everything started because I didn't take that much interest in it where I thought I was going to take it seriously. Right. I enjoyed doing it and my older brother did it. He gave me his old board. I did it with some new friends in the neighborhood, but I never really 
thought like, oh, I'm going to take this seriously. It wasn't until probably a year after I started skating that I that I made my way to the skate park, um, Oasis, uh, in San Diego. And when I saw what was happening there, I mean, I literally saw people flying in and out of empty swimming pools. Right. That's when it hit me that uh, that's what I want to do. I want to learn how to fly. Yeah. And I enjoy the skating, <laughs> but I want to do that. You know, that looks incredible and adrenaline rush. See, I wouldn't have that reaction as a kid myself. I'd be, I'd see the kids flying through the air and it would scare the hell out of me. Like, were you like a daredevil type kid? Were you um, someone who took a lot of risks when you were younger? Yeah. Or? I like to, you know, go off the high dive and do that kind of stuff, but it wasn't like I was always actively looking for some dangerous thing. Right. It was that when I saw skating, it was just more, I liked that. I liked that it was as creative as it was, um, athletic sure you know and, and i liked that there was, it was sort of this empty slate to do whatever you wanted to do and, and it wasn't like there was some set of rules you know it wasn't like ice skating you've got to do these triples and this 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 it was like yeah go do however do it in your own voice right right um and i liked the i don't know i just like the attitude of the skaters and and i found myself just drawn to the park all the time i mean i well, I'd go as much as I could. Was, my brother would pick me up once a week and take me. So you had an older brother, is that older right? Brother, yeah. Okay. And he was he was in college by that time. Oh, but, really? Um, I didn't realize that. So yeah. you're the youngest in the family? Because I know you have one brother and yeah, a sister, is I that right? Youngest, yeah. So okay. I, my older brother is 13 years older than me. Oh, wow. Okay. And then uh, my sisters are older than him. So he really kind of got you into the movement, if you will, or kind of got introduced you to the sport? Introduced me to skating, yeah. Um, okay. I mean, he was always like, he was the guy that got me into surfing and skating and and gotcha. so um yeah definitely was following his cue and did you get more what was it about skating in particular as far as was it cathartic therapeutic for you as a kid was it just being part um, of this movement it what was, was just it exactly? to honest like it wasn't there was no future in it you know it wasn't like you got in there and thought oh we're gonna be rich and famous no one was rich and famous there was right. no you know no one was successful even um i just loved uh for me it was as the outlet it was like that was where i could focus all my energy um, I, I, uh, you know, I could do it as long as I wanted and, and kind of make up, make it up as I went. And I just, I don't know. I, I felt like it was the one thing I kept getting better at. Right. That's what drew, drew me to it. It was like, you know, I played baseball, I played basketball, but I never felt like I was getting significantly better each time I went out. And every time I skated, I learned something new. Now, I saw the, uh, which I love, by the way, the Bones Brigade movie. Oh, yeah. And, and there were scenes in there where you could tell that you were, hard on yourself like not competitive against other people as much as within yourself is was yeah. that is that a fair assessment yeah yeah that was i was always well i just always i i had this projected standard that i wanted to live up to for myself and i knew i knew the bet like what i was capable of and the best i could do and if i didn't live up to that that i was always crushed you know and it didn't matter if i won the event it was like i didn't realize my true potential at that one and right. so um I think that's what Stacy Peralta recognized me in me, you know, in terms of being on the team where he's like this kid, all he ever wants to do is get better. It doesn't matter how he fares to anyone else. And that's always, that was always my attitude. It was like, I want to keep getting better. And I didn't care if it was like, well, okay, I'm at the top of the game. Now I won the event. I can relax. It was like, right. no, I'm going to get, you know, I'll do that last thing. Now I read something on Wiki. I don't know if this is true because I don't necessarily trust everything that's on Wikipedia. <laughs> it's all true. All it's of it. all true. But is there, there is something about 
you and playing baseball and striking out and oh, yeah. freaking out. And your parents were like, uh, we need to get this kid tested. And you turned out that you had a 144 IQ yeah. and you were advanced. I don't know if, if all those things <laughs> fell in line at the exact same time. I'm about a 44 IQ. Um, no, I just mean like in terms of, you know, the reason I struck oh, out and was okay. upset. That was just because I was hard on myself. That had nothing to do with being smart right <laughs> if anything that was so it was just not accepting you know being stubborn um but yeah definitely i was yeah when i struck out my first time at bat i went and hid yeah you really went and hid yeah <laughs> now what was it like? I, but i and that you know i, I it's also because i just didn't like that the whole team was relying on me or that i was relying on the whole team gotcha you know i appreciate team sports in that respect but it was not for me yeah and that's where skating, it's all on you. It's all on you, yeah. Got it. So how did you get introduced to Stacy and the whole Bones Brigade? How did that all come to fruition? Uh, I got on his radar sometime around um, when I was about 12 because I had been doing well at amateur contests. Um, and, and I think he saw that I had sort of a unique style of skating. But I was sponsored at the time by Dogtown. That was my first sponsor, actually. Okay. Um, but he had actually approached me a couple times you know out of the blue and i had never met him before but i knew who he was obviously and and he asked me about how it was dogtown what did i you know how do i like it and i i didn't have any other experience i'm like it's good they give me skateboards right <laughs> <laughs> i don't talk to anyone i don't know <laughs> and then uh one day he called me and said hey tony i heard that dogtown went out of business and i said oh that's probably why i haven't gotten any skateboards right. in the last few weeks because <laughs> no one ever even you know no one made that known to me. Right. Um, and he said, well, I'd really like you to come up here and talk about maybe writing for Powell. And I was blown away just because Powell that was, was Powell Peralta. Correct? Powell Peralta. Yeah. yeah. But Powell Peralta at the time was the, the most elite team. Gotcha. You know, and I really didn't think I was up to that standard. Um, and then at the same exact time, another company, uh, GNS offered me a sponsorship. Um, but I knew that if I was any part of the bones brigade that that would have much more merit. And how do you manage all this as a 12-year-old? I mean, you're a 12-year-old. Um, my dad was, well, my dad was, he wasn't helping me decide, but he was uh, definitely um, facilitating, like, going to meet Stacy. You know, he took me up there. Gotcha. Um, and uh, I skated Marina Del Rey, and, you know, it was, it was like sort of the, I guess it was a tryout in okay. some ways. Um, but... I don't know. And also, you know, it was exciting to me and it was my whole world, but I knew in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like to kids at school, if I told them, Hey, I'm writing for Powell now, they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. That didn't mean anything. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm part of the Bones Brigade. They're like, awesome. <laughs> what are you, yo-yo champ now? <laughs> and was it hard managing a normal childhood with being part of this elite group? Even though it was a core group? No, I mean, if anything, that just kept me grounded because yeah. you know, I'd, I'd be smacked into reality like going to school. I'd go away for the weekend to, you know, to Jacksonville, Florida to some big international skate contest and compete with these guys and then come home back and just be a ghost at school. Just a regular guy. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, were you able or how was it or was it hard to balance the time between school and this professional career that you were nurturing at the age of 12? It, it only got hard for me uh, during my later high school years okay only because of the travel right um you know suddenly it was like no we want you to go you know do this exhibition in italy we wow. want you to go on tour and i was like i have school right um and my grades suffered not because of the work i was doing but just because of my physical absence i see um you know in my junior and senior year, like my senior year it was i i just got by 
And that was largely because I just was gone all the time. And were you still with, when did you separate from Bones Brigade? Because obviously you were a shining star within that organization oh. and that group, but you eventually went out on your own. It was about the same time as the, uh, like Lance left. Um, Mike McGill kind of left by default. Rodney had already left okay. uh, in, in 19, like late 1991. Lance and I were at a crossroads. We both felt like our careers as skaters were kind of coming to an end, and we both wanted to do skate companies. So this is early 90s, and you're around how old at this time? 91. Like yeah. Early um, 20s, maybe? Yeah, I was like 23. Yeah. Okay, so you were there, and you were with them for a good decade then, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was there for, yeah, for over 10 years. Yeah. Gotcha. And what was it like branching out and going independent, if you will, after being part of that team? Um, it was fun. Like it was, you know, if we felt like we had a sort of elite, no, I don't know, elite, like a covert club, you know, and our team was so into the, pro like into the company and into promoting it. Um, but it was really hard because I just started a family and, um, I, I wasn't getting paid the way I used to. Uh, I had, I, I literally took out a second mortgage on my house to, to start the company. Really? And eventually had to sell the house altogether because I just couldn't afford to live there anymore. So, so personally, it was difficult because um, we had to make a lot of compromises. And these are huge life lessons that you're learning in your early 20s. You got a family. You have a mortgage. You're selling a house. I was yeah. in college at San Diego State. Yeah, it, was you know? it was crazy. Well, also, but, but, and to think that I had lived sort of a heyday before that. Right. You know, in my, like when I was 19 and 20, I was making... a really good money you know over six figures a year and and i thought it was invincible right and so i was i was spending it as f soon as i get it because i wasn't planning for the future um luckily my dad encouraged me to buy a house and so that was the saving grace but um but it was hard and especially those first it's like four to five years of birdhouse we were just scraping by so it was kind of like a reinvention you were having to reinvent yourself within your own kind of yeah and, and we learned a lot i mean we were doing I was doing all the marketing. I was doing all the videos, all the ads. Um, my partner was was doing all the business side of things. But um, at some point, it was my team that said, "Look, you're more effective just out there skating, right? Than doing this, yeah. you know, <laughs> running the business and the yeah, day to day than, operations, than being the the yeah, creative department, right. um, <laughs> and our marketing director. Yeah, and I and I finally eventually like understood that oh, they think I suck at it too, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, they said, you know, you should get back out there and skate. Like, you're still skating good. People still appreciate what you're doing. And, and that's what I did. I went out and, and, and started, like, I, I kind of had stopped competing altogether. I went out and started competing again. A year later, uh, the X Games came into play. Exactly. And then, you know, I was in top form. So I was doing really well at all those events. And um, eventually that's, you know, that was the catalyst that brought Birdhouse um, to success. Yeah, I remember those X Games down in San Diego when you were winning all those golds and you did the uh, the vert doubles with Andy. That oh was yeah, so yeah, ninety seven. Yeah, yeah, I mean that that was really the turning Magical point time, for us. Man. That was the turning point for us in terms of, whoa, we are actually this is legitimate business. We're right. making, you know, we're actually making money doing this, um, and still get to skate. It was unbelievable. Now, when you look back at your entire entire skating career, what would you credit as your greatest accomplishment? Um. Personally, well, yeah, I think uh, I mean a lot of people, you know, associate the first nine hundred with, with me, like being sort of a big moment in skating. And uh, for me, that was that was probably the apex of my career uh, competitively. So that was sort of like I was already considering not competing um, anymore. And when that happened, it was like 
oh well there's the sign there's right the, you know that's that's it's good out <laughs> yeah <laughs> now's my chance to bow yeah, out gracefully i know and so that was that was it and um and and to be honest like that doing that and then releasing a video game that year that changed everything and allowed me to to explore other opportunities that i always wanted to but i always was scared of dropping off the, the face of competition right um and i realized at that point like i can I can get out of competition and still be um, relevant and still be effective. Yeah, which you've proven to this day, needless to say. Now, looking back, do you have any regrets? <laughs> uh, most of my regrets were uh, left in the 80s. Yeah. The stuff that I, <laughs> All of us. Well, and stuff that I chose to associate myself with and giving up control. And I learned those lessons pretty hard then, you know, that, oh man, if I sign this contract, these guys can do anything they with own my you. name. Right. And they did. And they, and they did. You know, did all this cheesy stuff. And thankfully, not much of it survived. <laughs> um, but when I, you know, when I had the second chance at doing those sort of big deals, I kept control over my imagery and over, over um, any approvals and anything. It had to, you know, it had to have my... My stamp. Like, what was it. something that was cheesy, or you look back and you're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I did that." Oh, this this one company um, made skateboard bag backpacks. You know, <laughs> okay. basically, and, and that which was fine, which good in idea, and of yeah, in theory. Um, but once they once I signed the contract with them, they just started going crazy making stuff with my name on. It. I mean, like super cheesy sunglasses, um, keychains. You know, they, <laughs> they were. There were so many ridiculous wallets, and then they would just rip off the Vision Streetwear logo and write Tony Hawk gear. Uh, and I was just like, "You guys can't do that." I remember going. To the, I remember going to the office, going, "You can't do that." And they said, "Well, actually, we can." Uh, <laughs> like, that would be infuriating. You sign the paper, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, and like the first ad was me with the bag, which was also fine, but the the tagline was, "He's cool. He's hot. He's Hawk." No. Yeah. And oh. That was it. And you know, the first time I ever see that is reading a skate magazine. Oh, that's awful. It's like, oh man. So well, I remember the, and this probably, I don't know if this would be in a, now this is probably a commercial accomplishment, but I do remember when you did the pizza bites or the bagel bite commercials. Oh yeah. That yeah, seems like really, that wasn't bad. No, I didn't even, well, I think, you know, that, that was probably the first time I had done anything outside of the skate industry right. that wasn't endemic to our sport. Yeah. And so, that was the one I got the most grief for, for sure. But that was the one that opened up this doorway to other people that was like, hey, you can't. Turn you into a multimedia empire. Yeah, or, well, and, and also other you know people that other skaters thought, wow, I can do I could do that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's, it wasn't like, you know, I had full approval over, over the ads, over the concepts. So, you know, it wasn't like there was some super stretch of the imagination of sure. what I am or what I represent. And to be fair, like my kids ate those all the time. You know yeah. what I mean? It wasn't like I was, <laughs> same with mine. It wasn't changing my morality or yeah. anything. It was like, yeah, we eat those. Sure. And the same <laughs> yeah. thing when, when, you know, when I actually got a sponsorship with McDonald's, um, and Powerade for a couple of years, yeah, I remember that. Um, I, ate, I still eat McDonald's. Yeah. I ate there. I had breakfast there yesterday, and, you know? <laughs> and so it wasn't like I was changing some uh, who I am. Right, right, right. Now, uh, when you do skate and you do get out there today, I mean, recently I was at the um, the event that Andy throws in Claremont, and you were oh, yeah, one of the uh -huh. featured skaters. The Clash, is it The Clash? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a rough one for me, but yeah. Yeah, what, what, why was that rough oh, for I you? Oh, I tore a ligament in my knee. I thought something uh, was up, tell you I the truth. I tore a ligament in my knee. I, it was like 
four days before that. Yeah, I could tell you were holding back a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, I shouldn't even have been. Oh, really? I shouldn't even have been skating been at all. But <laughs> well, my son was I stoked to see Andy. it for what it's worth. And oh, I no, thought it was, it was I mean, great. it was fun. But I, and I promised Andy that I would do it. And, you know, I was part of the team of Mitchie and Andy. So I kind of had, I didn't have to, but I felt You wanted to power to, through. Yeah. Well, what, what type of, you know, seeing you out there, I mean, what do you get out of skating today that you didn't get out of skating back in the day, if you will? Like, what, when, do you ever just recreationally go out and just skate? And, and what does that do for you today? Um, it's still, it's still what drives me for sure. And, and to do have all this success and to have all these companies and things, you know, you got to walk the walk. You can't, yeah. You just you know, can't hang it up. Yeah. And and, call it and, a day. Yeah. And also just to, you know, to, to understand what, is happening in the world of skating and how it's evolved and, and what's going on. But at the same time, like it's still what I live for is, is what I live for most is, is doing something new, whether it be something that other people have done before, if it's new to me and you know, I set out to accomplish it and I do it, that's the buzz. That's like, that's the high I'm always, I'm always striving for. Now, are you actually traveling and going out and skate? Like I noticed recently, what were you down in South? You travel so much it blows my mind, but you were recently in South America or I something? Was, uh, I was in Portugal. Okay. Um, Two weeks ago, doing Some a big crazy. What, what was going on down there? Uh, there was a it was a surf event um, in Cascais. Uh, I don't know whatever the ASP you know the, sure. the main tour is, and the people there said we want to do a skate demo right near the beach, and so they got a ramp, they put a huge tent over it, and basically had this giant exhibition with bands and stuff. Yeah, like tens of thousands of people down there. Yeah, I think it was about ten thousand. Damn, that's crazy. Now. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit here about you being a dad. I know you have four kids. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Three boys and your daughter. Uh-huh. What, what type of father are you? Would you say? Uh, I, I think I'm really good because I've learned to sort of, you know, when I'm home, I want to be present for my kids and yeah. not just on the phone or on the computer or whatever. Uh, I'm so, learning how to do that too. But, but <laughs> and also a lot of it comes from guilt, you know, because I am gone half the time basically. Right. And so when I am home, I feel like I've got to make up for it and I've got, you know, I got to be there. And so, um, I'm the one that's, you know, taking them to school, picking them up from school. And basically my day went like, once they get out of school, my day is pretty much devoted to whatever they want to do. Now, are all your kids on the, at least the boys, are they all skaters? Like I know Riley is correct. Um, they skate. Yeah. They, um, they all love it, but not Riley's the one that's the most serious. Gotcha. And is he on the professional path as well? Uh, yeah, I think maybe sooner than he anticipates. Really? Yeah. And what type of role do you play in that? Similar to the role um, your dad well, played he, with you? He, or? Uh, he used to be on my team on birdhouse and okay. then he really felt like he needed his own identity and he got, offered um a sponsorship from baker which is largely considered the best team around oh nice street guys so he's been on baker for the last almost two years okay um a year and a half and uh i'm pretty sure that they're making preparations to turn him pro does he come to you for guidance or advice and not so much anymore what do i do here you know to be honest when he was younger um i didn't really have any way to I don't know. I didn't have much help like taking care of him. And so I would just travel with him and he just came with me by default. And so he grew up around this whole scenario right. and, and skating it's and been his world. Yeah. And so it's not that he was forced into it, but he understood the, the cadence of all of it right. and, and how it works and how, you know, how to navigate and travel and, and whatnot. And so he learned those basic skills really early on. And then when he got really serious about skating, which wasn't until his teens, um, he already had that, knowledge and, and yeah, he understood he understood that you got to work for it 
Right. You know, and, and that's something, that's the misconception with a lot of the, the newer pros where they're just like, yeah, I, well, I, I, just, I killed it. I'm pro now. Yeah. I don't have to do anything, <laughs> yeah. you know, like actually you have to do, you have to be that much better now. Yeah. It's a whole generational to, thing. This yeah. is where I sound like I'm a hundred years old, but it is that whole entitled, I could do it and just leave me alone. And I expect all the rewards to get thrown at me. Yeah. Yeah. And so he understands that he's got to go chase it. And, and, you know, he's traveling just as much as I am now. Oh, um, that's amazing. Yeah. How old I only, I only know if he's home because I hear his dog in the backyard. That's right. how I know he's in town. How old is he now? Uh, 20. Oh, he's, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought he was still in his teens. Yeah, he'll be 21 uh, December 6th. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, now you have three boys, and what's your re- or how's your relationship with your daughter different than your boys? Because uh, I have a daughter, and she's just the friggin' apple in my eye, just melts my heart. I am so in love with her, it's not even funny. Um, Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't feel like... It, I don't know. It, you know, it's hard. It's, hard to, it's, it's a... Um, it's a delicate <laughs> path when you're saying, well, I, yeah, it's, you know, it's so much about her. It's more the, the when I'm with her, it, it's just us. Right. You know, that, that is the big difference. Cause when it would used to be the boys it was like boys and their friends and we're going here, we're doing this. And when, right. when I'm with her, she just wants to hang out and do what she wants just me hang to with do. Dad. She wants me to do whatever she's going to tell me to do, but no one else is involved. And sometimes gotcha. like, you know, one of the the boys will come in and she shuts the door on him. Really? Like, yeah, you're not. She just wants that one on one time with yeah. dad. And it's just a lot mellower. Yeah. You know, I, like my younger son, my youngest son, um, he was always so crazy and always jumping off, the, you know, always trying to kill himself <laughs> to the point where I told people when they babysit, they're just on death watch. Really? Yeah, because he's just he was nuts and he had no sense of mortality, and so it just. So he got that from dad. Well, no, I mean, I, I did, you know, I, I did fear enough to know that, okay, this might kill me right here. Right. Let's not do that. But he was full tilt the other He's direction. He's full tilt, yeah. And, and the other, like, like Riley kind of has the, the same approach that I have where okay. you know, I want to push things but not put myself in, in lethal danger. Sure. And then my other son is sort of swings the other way where he's, um, he's way too cautious. Really? He's afraid, yeah. That's my style. I I can relate to that. A couple of other questions I wanted to ask, because obviously you're a well-respected and the man when it comes to skating, but I'll tell you, I also find you to be the master of social media. I find inspiration in you and how you (laughs) handle yourself online with your content. It's amazing. And I wanted to ask a couple of questions here about your Instagram posts. The first one being, did you really fly a plane over Texas? (laughs) That's funny. Uh, No, but they, they let me sit in the pilot seat. While the plane was flying now? Yeah, well, it's so automatic. Okay. I mean, it's, it, it's to the point where the, the guy that, it's this other guy's plane. We're, we're actually possibly doing a project together. Okay. Um, and so he invited me to go see his business and pick me up on his plane. And he was given the pilots a hard time. Like, what do I pay you guys for? <laughs> you know, what are you doing? You're just sitting there. So get out and let Tony in. Yeah, no, I mean because the pilot, well, the pilot had come back to go get some food. Oh, okay. And While the like, plane oh, was can flying, I, can I get up there? And so I just took my chance. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, the next one. Uh, have you ever ridden, or did you really ride a hoverboard from Back to the Future? <laughs> I saw that video, oh, and I was like, no. what was going on there? No, that was just uh, that was the the thing that I posted. Someone. Um, Someone alerted me to it because it's the test footage for Back to the Future hoverboards. All those are on wires. Oh, okay. And so all those people have these these harnesses under their clothes, and they're they're on these wires. And so um, we don't. Because there were internet rumors yet. a while ago that you were in Back to the Future, right? 
Yeah, they always say that I did the skating, but it was actually my partner um, from Birdhouse, Per Wienlander. He's the one who did the skating. For what Rocky movies Jake have Fox. you done skating for? Uh, Other than Gleaming the Cube. Uh, yeah, oh, let's see. I was a stunt double for David Spade in Police Academy 4. Um, but beyond that, I mostly just did my own skating in movies like yeah as me as yourself the only other time i did stunt work was for uh (laughs) escape from la no way i was um i was peter fonda in the surfing scene oh that's epic yeah and then (laughs) chris miller who also was was a pro skater is uh yep is kurt russell oh that's fantastic all right last question i have for you and this is the one i've been dying to ask you what was it like meeting bono (laughs) um it was fun i was in ireland for this uh tech conference they wanted me to speak at and um, I got invited to one of the sort of, uh, I don't know, I, I got invited to a dinner that was not part of the conference, but, you know, sort of held by one of the guys at okay. his house who was pretty VIP there. And so I was into it. And, and when I, when we got to the dinner, they sort of had cocktails in this foyer and, you know, there's all these tech people, um, you know, for the nerdy people, Kevin Rose, who started Dig was sure. there. Um Scott Harrison started Charity Water was there. Yep. The guy that started About Me was there. This guy okay. that, that like helped make the iPhone was you know this, the whole the crew yeah all this all these players. guys and I, and I know a few of them so you know we have mutual friends right. and then we we go they said okay dinner's gonna be served and we go to sit down at the table and everyone has a menu in front of their place setting with their name on it and so it's, you know mine says Tony Hawk and then the one next to me says Bono and I no. just started laughing. Like that's you know like someone's, someone's a joke on you. Yeah. Oh, like, right. That's funny, yeah. And like right as I pointed to it to laugh, he came walking in. Shut up. It was pretty cool. Was this the first time you met him? Yeah, or? yeah. No, I'm a huge fan. What'd you guys talk about? Um, he invested in this coffee company, which is how I got invited because I'm an investor in Blue Bottle Coffee. Okay. Um, and the guy who headed up that deal was his house. And so when Bono walked in, he, you know, we introduced each other and whatnot. And he, and he said, oh, yeah, I'm part of the Blue Bottle deal. And I was like, oh, I didn't, no one ever told me that. And he said, well, yeah, it wasn't really public. but No way. Yeah. And so that's, that's how that. Um, t- and then to expand on that, well, we, we talked a little bit. I, I actually, I remember talking to him about how much we both like Waterboys. Because <laughs> they're an Irish band, too. Yes. I love the Waterboys. Yeah, yeah. So we we talked about that for a bit. And then. It started getting crazy because everyone was drinking and running. Yeah, he, and he ties kept, it and Every time that I would go talk to someone, someone would sit in my seat to talk to Bono. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, but the the more interesting, not more interesting, but another interesting thing that happened was the next day we did some skate exhibitions in Dublin, more impromptu. You know, we just told people the yeah, day. Yeah, I saw those like, pictures as hey, well. Hey, we'll be at the skate park. And so the second skate park we went to, the guy that was sort of helping us get around, who knows all the skate scene, he's like, hey, see that guy over there? That's the kid from the cover of Boy. No. Yeah. The kid from Boy. Yeah, and he said he said he was always a skater. Seriously? Yeah, and so he was and and it, the the park that we were skating at that time was like we didn't really tell anyone publicly. It was just more word of mouth for the skate park people. And I love that image of that kid on that yeah. cover with the shirt off Yeah, and, and he still back. got like really piercing blue eyes. But, no way. Um, it was pretty cool, yeah. And um he said that when I was in Ireland in the first time I went to Ireland, it was like 1988, I think. Um, we were one of the first teams ever to do an ex- exhibition there. Okay. And he was there. 
at the exhibition. No way. And and music in your world, I mean, that's always been a driving force in your career as well. Like I know I see you out at Coachella every year. I know you were recently up at that Nine Inch Nails show up at the Troubadour. Actually, I'm going tonight too. Are you going? (laughs) Oh, man. I'm going to go to one of the Vegas shows actually. How has music always played a role or how was music such a primary role in your life through your career? Like how did that all come about? Um, well, music and, and skating always went together, uh, especially in the in the early '80s, because it was like I just remember, you know, I was really young and impressionable, but sure. it was always punk, just blasting at the yeah, skate parks. Um, and so I got to, you know, that guy had an appreciation for for that culture as well. For you know, X, Dead Kennedys, um, uh, Minor Threat, you know, sure. all the all the sort of iconic punk bands, and that's. And Devo as well. I mean, they were considered punk at that time. Yep. And so I had an appreciation for that kind of music and, and all kinds of music kind of through the years. And then when we got a chance to do our um, our video game, I wanted to represent the skating world. And so we put, you know, that kind of stuff on there. We put Dead Kennedys and Primus sure. and, and all these other bands. And people, and, and it was easy to get that music because no one was, it wasn't Licensing sought after. It, yeah, right, it yeah. And then it just blew up because people really appreciated the soundtrack and they, they thought it was like a whole new direction of music. It was just like, no, this is the stuff we grew up yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. And then you did something super daring at that time too when you did those tours with bands, like you did the Boom Boom Huck Jam and took oh, yeah. Devo oh. out on the road with you and that whole deal. Well, that was that was my um, transition from being a competitive skater. You know, that's what I always wanted to do is to sort of create a show that is our sports as entertainment. So that was the idea behind the Huck Jam was skateboarding, BMX, motocross, which I consider the three most exciting disciplines of, you know, what people call extreme and make it a show where we're all, we're interacting, we're, you know, it's choreography. Yeah, I used to love those. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was really fun and, and it was successful, uh, you know, basically until the economy dropped Yeah, it's those <laughs> because are... we just couldn't get a sponsor. You know, it wasn't like we, the people didn't, it wasn't like the seats weren't getting filled. It was just right. that we needed an underwriting sponsor every time to hit the road. It costs a lot of money to put those. Yeah, or together. else, or else tickets would be eighty bucks. You know, sure. was, I didn't ever want it to be like that. Well, appreciate your time, Tony. Okay. All right. Thanks, Chris. All right, that does it. Good times with Tony Hawk, our first episode of Cantori Plus One. Do want to thank you for being here with us, and thanks to our sponsors, specifically Oscar's Mexican Seafood, with locations down in PB and OB, hands down the best fish tacos and ceviche on the planet. If you head down to Oscar's, be sure to mention Cantori Plus One. Perhaps Juan and the crew will hook you up with a spicy shrimp taco, get the surf and turf, amazing again some of the best mexican seafood i've ever had check out oscar's mexican seafood again in pb off of turquoise another spot off of emerald and uh, down on newport in ob under the tattoo shop there right when you hit the coast amazing stuff all right until next week you be well much aloha and thank you to tony hawk for his time always a great time tony the man went straight from our interview to the nine inch nails show in la where he was hanging out with rick rubin now he's out in mammoth with the family oh the life of a rock star or rock skateboarder until next time (laughs) 